Hello and welcome to the Anita Po Show, where I'm here to help you understand Bitcoin, realize its humanitarian implications for the world and gain financial sovereignty. I'm your host, Anita Posch. This is episode 172. My guest today is Raphael Cordon, co-founder and CEO of the tech startup Simple Proof, that has built a solution ensuring transparent elections in Guatemala. Now you might say, what does this have to do with Bitcoin? They used Peter Todd's open timestamps tool to link tally sheets to the Bitcoin blockchain and make them immutable. This way, the people's votes have been safeguarded in the recent elections in Guatemala. I'm recording this interview with Raphael while I'm in Bali at the Indonesia Bitcoin Conference. I'm doing a Bitcoin 101 keynote and I'm part of the jury that decides on the winners of a lightning hackathon. I want to apologize for the bad quality of my voice in this recording, but as it often happens, in the last two days, the Wi-Fi in the hotel was working great and exactly today when I did that interview, it didn't work. So I had to use my Bitrefill uh, eSIM <laughs> and record on my phone and that's why the sound is not as good as it should be, but I think it's fine so that you understand everything. So my apologies. And um, talking about Bitcoin, especially Bitcoin education, Crack the Orange, my online learning and membership program, includes an online course where you learn everything you need to know about why Bitcoin is important in the first place, how to securely store your Bitcoin in self-custody, privacy practices and much, much more. Please uh, subscribe to my free newsletter to receive news about Bitcoin adoption, education and about the courses at anita.link slash weekly. That's anita.link slash weekly. And now on to the episode. Thank you for listening. Hello, Raphael. Uh, great to have you on the Anita Post Show. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, Anita. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Super. Uh, I've been following you for a long time. <laughs> yeah, we have a common friend who uh, connected us. Um, and he told me about the story of your startup and your technology, uh, like your startup, I think is called uh, Simple Proof, and that you have helped uh, the Guatemalan election uh, tribunal, I think it's called, uh, to secure the last two elections in Guatemala with the help of the Bitcoin blockchain. And we're going to get into that because I think this is really a very interesting story. Um, you have used Peter Todd's open timestamps tool to link tally sheets to the blockchain and make them immutable. And this way, uh, the people's votes have been safeguarded in the elections. Before we talk Correct. about that in detail, uh, because I would like to know, of course, your story and, and how, how it came to be. Let's talk a little bit about yourself, please. Introduce yourself to our audience. Great. So uh, I'm Rafa Cordon. Um, I'm a Guatemalan. I uh, grew up in Guatemala. I went to college there. And then I went to grad school in the U.S. 
worked in the U.S. for a couple of years and then, uh, you know, came back to Guatemala with the idea of starting to build things that can be helpful for the country. Um, I love Guatemala and I, I felt like I needed to, you know, build, build cool stuff that, that would be, you know, that would have an impact in the future. And I think um, in Guatemala, there's a big opportunity to do those types of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I've been working in Bitcoin since, um, so yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. I just wanted to ask you about how did you get into Bitcoin? Oh, yeah. Well, when I worked in the U.S. back in 2011, uh, a, a colleague of mine sent me the, the Satoshi white paper. And I read it and he told me like, dude, this is the future. You should check it out. And so I read it and I'm like, it's too complicated. And I threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I think I think I learned a lesson there. Um, and, you, you know, sometimes good information can come from, from different places and not like, you know, you need to be open to, to new ideas. You need to be more open to new ideas. And at that time, I wasn't. And so I, I, I actually read through the, the Satoshi White Paper. And it's like, no, this is too complicated. And I, and I didn't even, you know, go into it. And so back in, uh, and, and so I picked up Bitcoin in 2017 again, when uh, the, the Bitcoin meetups in Guatemala started uh, happening. And so this community was, was, was coming together around you know, early 2017. And I started going to the meetups and then I, I, I approached Bitcoin more from a technical point of view. I was working in a database company and, and I was looking at distributed databases at the time. So, so trying to understand how distributed databases work and the problem of, of consistency, of data consistency. Um, you know, making sure that the, the data consistency being um, the data is always the same regardless of, of you know, where you look at it from. And I, I, I realized that, you know, traditional databases had the problem of distri- traditional distributed databases where, you know, information is distributed among several servers have the problem of data consistency because, you know, depending on what server you, you look at, the data may be different because there's this, you know, replication going on. And, you know, I was looking at that sort of technical thing and then Bitcoin came across and I'm like, holy shit, you know, somebody figured out how to do, you know, distributed databases that are consistent. Mm-hmm. And, it's an, and it's an open source protocol and anybody can use it. What's going on? Like, so that's how, sort of how I fell into the, the Bitcoin rabbit hole, just from the technical side. And then and that drove me to you know understanding all the you know, philosophical aspects of this Bitcoin and how it you know how it worked and the you know the economics and you know hard money all the, you know the, the the traditional Bitcoin sort of mantra uh, mantras that we that we all you know believe in um, and at that time uh, Nick Zabo a a very well known person in the you know and one of the early cryptocurrency um, you know, inventors. He wa- he went to Guatemala to receive a an award, uh, like a, an honorary doctorate or some sort of award at a at a university in Guatemala, which is like super libertarian. <laughs> and so I got to meet Nick Zabo and ask him a couple questions, and that blew my mind. That was like the moment when I when I was like, okay, this is going to change the world. 
I need to, you know, get involved in this in some way or another. There, there is, I feel like if I work, if I do something for Bitcoin, it will be a, a, a contribution to the future and to the, to the world. So I need to figure out how to, how to do something here. Um, and so at that time, this was 2017, you know, I did my whole, you know, first Bitcoin, then blockchain, then the, you know, shitcoin tour of duty. And then I came back to Bitcoin uh, and I got involved in a payment startup in Guatemala, uh, a lightning payment startup. And I was the CTO for around two years. And I left that company early this early 2022 to start Simple Proof with a couple friends. I, I had this idea of being able to store information on, you know, inside a blockchain. This was in early, like in 2018, we created a protocol called Blockchain Asset Registry. And it was a way, it was basically a way to store hashes on the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, but we didn't have like the, the technical understanding of how Bitcoin worked. <laughs> and so with a, with a couple friends from the Bitcoin community, we we figured out how to do it. And, you know, it was the... The, the 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 sort of a long story of how I got, I got here. <laughs> yeah, but but it's interesting because you are describing the way that many Bitcoiners go, um, and also yes, Bitcoin is not easy to understand. I mean, if you really need to understand it, as you did, you just said like you 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 founded that company and you didn't really understand how it works. Uh, that's why you built this a separate protocol, yeah. And I guess you now came back to open timestamps, which is very easy, I think, actually. Um, and also, I always say Bitcoin is like an onion. You you peel one of the layers, and then there's a new one. And uh, you will never, but it's a, an infinite onion. <laughs> there there are always new layers and new things um, that you have to learn to understand. And I think no one of us really understands everything, every aspect of it. And that's what, what no, makes it the, also the so technical, interesting. The technical and cryptographic part is like super complex. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a universe. And then you go to the, you know, the philosophical side, and it's this whole other universe of, 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 you know, things you need to understand and, you know, questions that you need to ask yourself. And then I feel there's the social part of it, of all, you know, all of us who are contributing to Bitcoin, like yourself, right? Uh, talking to different people who are involved in Bitcoin and how uh, there's this, you know, the social part of the community that's, that's developed around Bitcoin and sort of how the community guides the conversation and the the interesting things that people want to do on Bitcoin, for example, Lightning or you know the, the open timestamps, which well, Peter invented it back in 2016, and it's been it hasn't been used that much. Mm -hmm. um, and so you know we wanna we wanna bring the conversation to w what other things you can do with Bitcoin, for example, open timestamps. And I think the elections use case is a a very good way of showing, you know, the power of Bitcoin. Absolutely. And also show, showing the utility of Bitcoin, because uh, many people uh, still believe it's just a tool for speculation, um, but they forget about all the humanitarian implications it has. 
Um, and as you say, also other utility um, can be derived from Bitcoin. So um, let's go to the elections in Guatemala. Um, what's special about uh, the situation around elections in Guatemala? Why uh, would one need something like your solution? So the, the story starts back in 2019 for the, for the previous elections. So in Guatemala, elections are every four years. Um, and in 2019, a group of, of you know, individual citizens um, downloaded uh, vote tally sheets from the official uh, you know, elections website and timestamped them using open timestamps. Um, maybe like if I step, take a step back, the Guatemala elections process is all paper-based. Um, people have to, you know, manually cross out uh, a, a piece of paper with the candidate that they that they choose. Those papers are put in bags that are counted by volunteer by volunteer citizens who create a tally sheet of those of those ballots, the the ballot counts, and that tally sheet is is what is used to calculate, you know, who won who won president. So there's. Guatemala, all elections happen at the same time. They're not staggered. So you have president and vice president, um, district uh, congress, um, national congress, which is sort of a separate list of, of candidates, um, municipal corporation, which is like the, the, the municipality, and a parlacen, the, the Central American Parliament. So it's five elections that happen simultaneously. You get five pieces of paper where you need to to cross out and so the whole process is paper-based and typically like back in the day this you know people would grab take the the papers and you know uh, take them by horse or by, or by car to some centralized place where they were counted and that it, it turns into this pyramid so the elections there are election tables the election tables are in election centers which are like schools or you know gyms or places like that those uh, election centers roll up to municipal uh, elections boards, municipal election boards roll up to district election boards, and on top of that is the Supreme Elections Tribunal. It's this pyramid of information flow. And so, you know, back when this system was designed, Guatemala is an early democracy. Uh, Guatemala's constitution is from 1983. So this is, this is a pretty new process. Guatemala went through 30 years of military dictatorships uh, before 1983, and so the the, the current constitution is from 1983. Anyway, it's all it's all a paper based process, and with the with the you know rise of of technology and and you know different ways of counting information, a a the elections tribunal created a a parallel system for preliminary results. So a a a, a parallel you know a, a a system that reports preliminary results. There's the paper process and there's this the preliminary results process. The preliminary results process um, used to be faxed, so people would fax mm -hmm. the the tally sheets, and then there would be this place where people would would do the data entry and have you know real time results on who on, on, on who is you know ahead in the in the in the voting, um, and you know after the fax based thing, um, now they use scanners, so there are scanners in the in the voting centers. And the and these scanners, the the tally sheets are are scanned and sent into this system that where where people, where dig, digitizers, people who who do the data entry, 
um, enter the the numbers, the you know the, what the tally sheets say. Um, and so we figured, and so the um, back in 2019, the Elections Tribunal published these tally sheet acts, and so these volunteer citizens took the acts, the 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 digital documents, and and uh, timestamped them on uh, using open timestamps, and they realized that the documents would change. So at some point, some documents would, would come in and then those were deleted and new documents come in. And it was like a weird behavior that you wouldn't want in, in elections. And so they did that. They made a lot of, you know, they, they made, they, they talked about it in public. And so that generated the opportunity for, for the, the election board this, this time around in 2023 to hear, you know, hear this proposal about, uh, Timestamping the documents as close as possible to the source when they are generated, and so uh, we pitched it to the elections tribunal. They they wanted to do it, and, and that's how it worked. So we call it um, respaldo inalterable, which means which the translation is like immutable backup. And how it, and how it works is once the document is scanned and sent to the the cloud to the to the tally the preliminary result system. The, the the digital file also goes into simple proof and, and the, the immutable backup. And there the document is timestamped um, using open timestamps, sent to the Bitcoin blockchain and, and also published so someone can, can verify for themselves. And so what's cool about it, besides you know having the certainty of the Bitcoin blockchain behind it is that people can verify for themselves, right? They don't need to trust um, they don't even need to trust the elections tribunal. They can just, you know, download the document and check for themselves that that is actually the information that that's stored. So maybe you can explain a little bit uh, in detail how this works. Like, uh, it, like Satoshi never called it a blockchain. Uh, they called it actually a time chain uh, because it secures all transactions in the chronologically correct order. That's very important, of course, so that no one also can mingle with transactions after the fact. And that's exactly what you're using to secure the votes with saying it's immutable. You can't change it afterwards. Um, but I um, mm -hmm. can you please explain the documents are not going into the blockchain, right? No, 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 no. Bitcoin is not made for data storage, like um, you know, storing large files on Bitcoin is not possible. And really not, that's not, not its purpose. Um, when I say blockchain, it's just a data structure of, of blocks of information that have transactions. Um, so how open timestamps works is there in a, in, a, uh, in a Bitcoin transaction, there's a sort of black space where you can put information called an op return function. And so this little space, this op return function, um, you can put any piece of data. I can put like "Hello, Anita" or "Hi, I'm Rafa" or whatever. Any, 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 you know, text I can put there, and and so how open timestamps works is that's where it stores uh, the proof. So they open timestamps uh, through the protocol generates a Bitcoin transaction that uh, has the the root hash of a Merkle tree. This Merkle tree uh, has the all the hashes of the different documents or you know, any piece of digital information that you want to include within that transaction. Um, and so documents, so, so maybe I, I can explain. So we get a, a, a digital image comes into simple proof 
This digital image is hashed. Um, the hash is fed into the uh, into a Merkle tree. A Merkle tree has a bunch of has a tree of hashes that roll down into a single root hash, and that root hash is what's stored on a Bitcoin transaction in the op return function. And so this is stored in the Bitcoin transaction. But as part of the protocol, the open timestamps protocol also provides a document, a you know, a uh, a file that lets you find your or prove that your hash exists in that root hash. And so if you have the file, the original file and the OTS file, open timestamps file, you can find that hash on the Bitcoin blockchain. Okay, that's that's interesting. That's how I can validate it, um, uh, verify it. Um, but tell me about the costs. I mean, you, as it sounds to me, you need to uh, send a transaction in which you include the end hash, the resulted hash, basically. Um, so mm -hmm. you have to pay transaction fee for that. So um, is this correct, right? Yeah. Yes. So, so what yes. what yes. is the the uh, transaction fees rise as they are just in the mo moment again? You know, as soon as the price goes up, people are more interested in Bitcoin, and uh, then transaction fees go up. Um, how are you managing that? I mean, how uh, how timely also have the transactions to be in the blockchain? So the, you have to pay high fees, I guess. Yes. Yes. And you have to pay a higher fee just to make sure that transactions are included in the in the you know in a Bitcoin blockchain as as fast as possible. That's definitely a thing, but you know compared to the value of this solution, the the transaction fees are you know not that relevant. I I, I feel that that's just my opinion. Um, you know this is so valuable that you know paying a transaction a high Bitcoin transaction fee at the current price we're at what thirty well. 34 or something like that. Yeah, yesterday. 34K. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. yeah. It's not, it, it, you know, it's, it's something that, that needs to be paid uh, in order to do this. But it's it's like, you know, the cost of, of you know, operating the system, right? It's mm -hmm. like putting, you know, it's the, it's the input to make the system work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's a little bit like people saying uh, Bitcoin is a waste of electricity because no one is using it. Yeah. Uh, in, in my world, uh, the Bitcoin uh, utility is basically invaluable. You know, it has such a high value for so many people um, that the cost or the usage of electricity is naturally negligible. Naturally, how do you say that? Um, <laughs> negligible. Yeah. Thank you very That's much. The, That's the it's word. It's the security. The cost of the, 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 energy, the energy is what protects the system. Exactly. And if you can, uh, right. you basically, <laughs> yeah, what you're doing is basically you are protecting uh, free uh, democratic uh, elections. And that's very important. Yeah. And um, so... Yeah, we, we do it to protect documents, to protect public documents. This was a particular use case for elections, but definitely simple proof is not an elections only thing. It's, uh, you know, for any type of public document that requires certainty when it was created, um, especially with all the rise of, you know, misinformation and AI altered images and all these things, you need to be able to sort of have a proof or some way to certify what information is true from what information you know is, is, is fake or, or generated 
and and so you know compare you know the, in the in the case of democracy you know compare you know the the certainty of democracy with the cost of a couple of bitcoin transactions I don't think it's, <laughs> absolutely you know, yeah. Do you think that uh, simple proof or open timestamps would this also work via the Lightning Network? No, um, mm. currently I, you'd have to ask Peter. But uh, <laughs> how it works right now is you need a an on-chain transaction to do it. Yeah, it works with an on-chain transaction, mm. and mm. the the time certainty of of a time so a timestamp what it gives you is a certainty that a certain that a particular piece of data existed at least from within a certain point in time. And the time in, in the case of open timestamps comes from the block height. So it has to be on the blockchain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we were speaking about securing the election uh, results uh, via the immutable backup. How Did it work out? I mean, you used it already in two elections, as far as I understood. Um, how did it help? Did it help? So the two elections were the first election and then the runoff election. Um, the first election was in July and the runoff election was in August. Um, it worked perfectly. The system works. It, it scales. It works perfectly. It's not just open timestamps. It's simple proof. So simple proof uses open open timestamps as a protocol um you know as a way of communicating with the blockchain and you know achieving what we need to do but simple proof also adds information to make it easy for users to to check whether a document was created or not so, you know at the protocol level if you're you're talking about html html is a is a protocol right but or http sorry is a is a protocol but you know the application simple proof is the application on top of it that you know makes the protocol uh, easy to use for to apply to, to something um where was i going what was the question the question was like has it for instance uncovered an attempt to tamper the votes or something like that um well yeah one uh, so after the runoff election one of the political parties that lost um was claiming that certain information didn't come in at the at the at the time that the elections tribunal was saying and that was refuted using uh you know open timestamps basically mm -hmm. what they were saying was that it was like a very i don't i don't know what they were trying to do but it's definitely it it was impossible to 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 you know for them to prove that point because of 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 the information if 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 simple proof had not existed then there would have been a lot of uncertainty in this case because um you know i can't change what's on the bitcoin blockchain right um whereas with some other system you know like a centralized database traditional system um you know they can say oh the the you know the 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 vendor changed you know, the information or change the database or whatever. Here, nobody can change it. <laughs> not the vendor, not, uh, you know, not, not no one. And so that was disproved. That was a, that was a good example of, 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 you know, this being, being put to use. Mm -hmm. And um, what was the reception by the public and the media? I mean, has the uh, trust in free elections uh, and secure elections 
uh, grown? I mean, have you, I, I, I saw some media reports in Spanish. I couldn't read it, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about the, the reception by the public. That made me very happy um, because, you know, in, in this world, and I sure, I'm sure it happens to you, when you talk to someone who's not a Bitcoiner, they're like, oh, okay, it's interesting, but yeah, whatever. But here, I, um, a lot of people that I didn't know that I had never met, all of a sudden started saying on social media, they're using, uh, you know, the, the elections are being secured with using Bitcoin. And there were podcasts about this, podcasts from people that I didn't even know talking about it. And so that like made me very happy just seeing people in Guatemala Sort of, sort of a nerds like me that are interested in in, in in this, you know, come out of their their cubicles or their their caves and talk about about this technology and you know how useful it is. Um, so that that made me very very happy to to see, um, you know, because it 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 um it makes the story. It's not just me talking about it or me talking about it with my friends. It's other people who who find it interesting and who who understand and believe in this are are you know talking about it so and, and that's when what what opened my mind to the community part of, of you know bitcoin is greater than than it's a community and there's people who believe the same things or who understand it that are willing to you know speak out and and, and say that it's a that it's a good thing and I, I'm I'm very hopeful after after seeing the response when people realized that this was being done, um, I'm hopeful that Bitcoin can can you know be, become more more used in Guatemala and more mainstream. Um, Guatemala, by the way, is north of El Salvador. Uh, El Salvador, from San Salvador, the capital, to El Salvador to Guatemala City, it's a four-hour drive, so we're right next to them. But Guatemala hasn't gone down that uh, Bitcoin adoption path at all. Um, people are still trying to figure out what it is, and like the government hasn't really, you know, uh, generated any 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 opinion or any, any any official documents on on Bitcoin. So I'm hopeful for the region that this becomes this helps Bitcoin become more mainstream. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice also if people just were to start using it without waiting for the government to say anything about it, you know, like just use it as a, in a grassroots manner to send Bitcoin in and out uh, to El Salvador, maybe, because um, I guess it's also maybe in, in Guatemala and El Salvador not so easy, like in like it's not easy to send money from Zimbabwe to South Africa, for instance, or the other way around, but I don't know if uh, you also have these harsh capital controls or not, but I don't think, right? Not that much, but I'll tell you something. Guatemala's GDP is 15% 15 of Guatemala's GDP are remittances coming in from the U.S. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's a lot of of money flowing from the U.S. to Guatemala through remittances. And... I believe Bitcoin can, you know, reduce the costs of remittances by an order of magnitude easily. 
Um, and there are startups doing that, like Osmo Wallet. It's a startup in Guatemala that is that is helping you know bring that adoption um, on the remittance side. Mm-hmm. And um, do you also uh, already have like uh, the goal for the next elections in three years uh, to be the partner again of the election committee? Um, I hope I hope <laughs> this this becomes a a a standard for elections. Um, not not me necessarily, right? But Bitcoin. Um, and using, you know, timestamping information using the Bitcoin blockchain becomes a standard for elections all over the world uh, and for any type of public document. And so that's sort of what we're working, uh, uh, what we want to do with Simple Proof is help adoption of open timestamps. And, you know, this is one use case. The elections thing is, is just the first use case, but governments generate I was reading the the U- United States uh, the National Archives received I, I I think like eight terabytes of public documents per year so eight terabytes of public information um, and so that information should be timestamped in order for for you know people to be certain that that information was that was created at a certain point in time so for example uh, court rulings. Um, digital evidence, intellectual property, um, all you know, copyrights, all that, all that type of digital public information can be used in this. So elections, yeah, elections is cool. It's you know a very visible use case, but the you know I, I think this can be used much more broadly, and I think it's a, a an easier way to some for some governments to start using Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I guess a lot of people also then ask you, why Bitcoin? Why not use uh, a cheaper blockchain uh, or another project? What do you tell them? Um, what project? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Ethereum is not cheaper at the moment. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean... If I know, I, I I would not ask that question myself. I ask it for our audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Well, the the purpose of our solution is to provide certainty on when documents were created, and why not use the most secure and re, re, resilient, reliable digital system ever created. Why would I use anything else, right? Um, that's I've heard, I've had that question before. And that's my answer, right? <laughs> okay. Bitcoin is the most secure, re- resilient digital system ever created. Right. And it's been running without stopping for what fourteen years. Why would I use anything else? There's like, yeah. uh, show me something better. Show me something better than Bitcoin, and I'm open to using it. I haven't seen anything better. <laughs> so what are your plans now with Simple Proof um, forward, going forward? Um, so our, our plan, right now we're sort of in a bootstrapped startup phase. We, uh, we may start, uh, you know, looking for investment or ha- having some sort of funding round. Um, and, and the idea is to bring this 
technology to the world. So um, investing in marketing, um, building the product uh, in order for it to be more um, self-service, like making people easy to easy to use for, for someone to, you know, use it by themselves without a lot of uh, you know, work from, from our side um, and taking it to governments uh, around the world. Um, we, we, we're, we starting conversations with, with a few, uh, you know, people in government. And I think that's, that's where we want to go. We want to focus on public documents, public documents that are, I think that, that where a lot of people need certainty, right? And so in government, that's, that those are government generates millions of these documents where a lot of people need certainty. You need certainty uh, that the, on a court ruling. You need certainty on intellectual property, right? Uh, you need certainty in elections. Um, and so I think our focus, at least right now, is going to be more on the public sector side where we feel that, that those types of, where, where that need is more prevalent. I'm not saying in, in private uh settings it's it's important uh, it's also important like when you sign a contract right um and when you sign contracts that those you know when you use DocuSign or adobe sign they're already time stamped but they're be using centralized time stamping services so another approach that we want to do is offer an a, you know that type of service as well for private individuals um so you know if if, if you want anita want to sign a contract with someone you can do it with DocuSign, or you can use do it with another system that is going to give you the additional certainty of being able to prove that it was time stamped on the Bitcoin blockchain. So that's another avenue that we're that we're gonna you know work towards. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that sounds good. I I wish you the best for that. Um, have we left anything unsaid that uh, should be mentioned in this podcast? about uh, the project um, or anything else that you would like to add? Um, no, I'm just, uh, I'm just grateful to, for, for the opportunity to, to be in the world of Bitcoin and the community of people in Bitcoin um, is something incredible that we need because we help each other out and that's something beautiful that it's like a religion really <laughs> well i never had that experience with religions so um but when you meet people that sort of speak the same language and sort of have some basic principles that you can agree on um you generate this trust relationship um and so the Bitcoin community, I think, at least like in, in your world, Anita, you, you know, you talked a lot, you're very involved with the community. For me, this was sort of like my first entrance into, you know, feeling that, that love in the community. And I think that's something that needs to be um, cherished and celebrated and preserved um, and which sort of grew out organically, which is incredible. And so I'm just grateful for the opportunity to, to be able to, you know, be involved in this. Very happy. 
<laughs> I totally understand. Um, you you give something into Bitcoin and you get something out. Um, and if if it's just you know uh, the appreciation of your work uh, by other people or when you see how other people are supported by Bitcoin in that sense that they can use it uh, anywhere in the world and uh, get rid of some sort of financial op oppression that they are suffering. Uh, what I see a lot when I'm um, in, in several countries on the African continent, um, that's very rewarding. Yeah, So I, I totally agree with you. Rafa, where can people find you on the big internet and follow you? Um, my Twitter handle is Rafa underscore Cordon, R-A-F-A underscore C-O-R-D-O-N. Um, and you can also go to the simpleproof.com simpleproof uh, website. A documentary came out um, two days ago about the elections project people should definitely check it out on our youtube channel um it's called mm -hmm. simple proof um it's called the the documentary is called immutable democracy and i really encourage uh, people in the bitcoin world to check it out it's 15 minutes but it tells the story uh, it's very very well okay great um thank you very much rafa for spending time with me on that topic today And I wish you all the best. And I, um, I'm looking forward to hear new stories, uh, how you secured elections or other kind of uh, government documents and help uh, um, secure democracies all over the world. Thank you. Thank you for the time, Anita. That's it. Thanks for joining. If you've enjoyed this, please subscribe to my newsletter at anita.link weekly to get all my updates into your mailbox and recommend it to your friends. That's anita.link weekly. Music Late Truth by Audio Hertz. Until next time at the Anita Post Show.